Welcome to Bible study. It's good to see you tonight. Glad you're here. We're going to take a few moments and pray and then uh, see what God has for us. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, just the opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus. We thank you for uh, just the presence of Jesus here in our midst. Jesus, we welcome you. We ask that you would speak, you would have your way, you would anoint, uh, you would empower. I ask God that we would have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying tonight. I ask that you would encourage us. I pray that you would teach us. I ask that, God, we would be challenged tonight to change and to grow and to become the the people you want us to be. So, God, I just ask that you would have your way. We give you this time. Uh, We ask, God, that we would have just a focus on what you have to say, a focus on what you're revealing, a focus on the truth that you want to put into us tonight. So have your way. I ask God that uh, that we would be receptive to all that you want to do. We give you thanks and praise. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Reminder uh, for our podcast listeners that we have an interactive feature with Bible study, and that is through a website at www.speakpipe.com. That's S P E A K P I P E dot com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. You go there to that webpage, and there's a button that you can toggle, and you can leave us what would appear to be a voicemail. And we'd love to hear from you. Could be just saying hi. Or maybe you have a question about Bible study, or maybe you have a comment, or you just want to tell us where you're from. But we'd love to hear from you. could be something good God's doing in your life. So drop us a line, uh, leave us a message, and we'll endeavor to play that at our next Bible study. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to the book of Acts. Book of Acts chapter 12. If you need a Bible, some are located on the tables. Feel free to use those. Acts chapter 12, we're going to be picking up a story here, an account where Peter had been put in prison and the believers were all together praying for him. They were, and you, as you can imagine, we can assume they were praying for his release from prison, his deliverance. Because uh, that's what he needed. He was in jail. So they were likely praying for his release and likely praying for him to be, um, you know, set free. So Acts chapter 12 and verse 15. Somebody read that. All right. So what had happened was Peter, who they were praying for, I just wanted to 
started by saying that they were praying for Peter because he was in jail. And so they're praying for his release, his deliverance. So Peter is miraculously delivered out of jail by an angel. If you read up above that, you can read the account of how he's miraculously, an angel shows up, sets him free. He's able to walk right out the front door. He's set free. And so he goes to the place where all the believers are gathered in order to pray for his, what did I say? Miraculous release from jail. And so what can you assume has happened because he's at the door knocking now? What happened? He was miraculously released from jail, meaning that all those people that were praying, their prayers had been answered. Answered. So Peter's out knocking. I need to get in. So this this woman, Rhoda, goes out there, and he's at the door, and she's so shocked that it's Peter. Now, why is she shocked? Where's Peter supposed to be? In prison. But what had they been praying for? His release. release, Right. So God had answered their prayer. He's standing outside knocking. She sees him and talks to him, but is so freaked out that she runs back inside where all the people are still praying for what? Peter's miraculous release. So she tells him, hey, Peter's outside. And their response is what you just read. What was their response? They said, what? Now, the first thing they said is, you, Rhoda, are out of your mind. That's the first thing they said. And so then the Bible says, so she said, no, 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 no. She insisted Peter's outside. Then they decided the people that were inside, decided, well, it must be his angel. That's the, that's the course of events taking place here. Now, anybody see anything wrong with what's happening here? Like kind of a funny moment here? Kind of missing something, right? Right? Because, I mean, they're gathered doing the right thing. Can we agree with that? All right, you got Peter arguably their leader at this point in church history because he had been the one that stood up. He was the one that was preaching. He was the one that was uh, at the gate called Beautiful. The lame man was walking. He preached in the temple then. He had been arrested after that. He had been released, flogged, went back to the temple, was preaching. All these things had happened. He was arguably their leader. So he's in prison, and they're doing the right thing. They're definitely doing the right thing. What was the right thing? They're praying for him. They're praying for his release. They're praying for his deliverance. That is the right thing to be doing. So they've gathered. They're doing the right thing. And God answers their prayer. And this is the point I'm I'm hoping you're kind of getting a hold of here. They're, They're doing what they're supposed to do. But what they were supposed to do was taking precedent over what was actually happening. 
They were functioning, doing what they were going to do. They were going to pray for him to be released and delivered. So God answered their prayer. He was released and delivered. But when he showed up in order to come into the place, they wouldn't believe it. What's messed up about that? What are you seeing with that? I want you to really think about this for a second. There's, there's, some, there's an issue going on here that you could look at it and say, well, that must be unique to that moment, but it's not. That's not unique to their moment. That's not unique to that moment and that time. Something happened there that, that freaked them out and they weren't able to respond appropriately to what had actually happened. They were still doing the thing they were supposed to be doing when God had already moved on from that. Okay? Peter was out. Prayers were answered. Peter's standing at the front door. Everything's been done that they'd been praying. They'd been praying, faith, all that stuff, all that had been happening, all that had been done. Peter's there. They won't believe it now. How do you not believe something you've been praying for? Well, they wouldn't. And I, and I think sometimes, and, and, I, and I hope you can, I, I hope you can, take a hold of this because there's something to be said for their perseverance i mean peter was in jail he's under threat of death and you know just keep praying persevere that's good but god answered the prayer so if god answered the prayer do you need to keep praying for the thing that god just answered no no it's done you can pray for something else if you want but that's done there's no need to keep praying for something that god's already done Finished. That's all done. And so Rhoda came back from the door after she was greeted by Peter. Peter told her that he was there and he was ready to come in. She freaked out and went in and told everybody that was in there. Well, who was in there? All the rest of the apostles and more. I mean, we can assume there were probably 120 people in there, somewhere around that. Because that's how many were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And that's the core. Those are the core of believers. Now, there were some added to their number after that. Maybe there was more than 120 people in there. I have no idea. But she went in there, and it was at least the apostles. It was at least the other, the, the other people that had been in with them on the day of Pentecost. So these are spirit-filled, gifted, full of God's power people that are praying, believing for this release, this deliverance, this miraculous thing to happen God answers the prayer, it's done, and she can't find one person that's going to believe her. They didn't believe her. Peter's out in front. No, he's not. You're out of your mind. So it wasn't even just, uh, I kind of don't believe you. It was, no, you're out of your mind was their response. That's what they said to her. You're out of your mind. And you can say that was out of fear. You can say that. It was utter surprise. I mean, it was... Uh, extreme surprise, absurdity, absurdity that Peter would be standing out. He was under heavy guard. He was double chained. He was in the, the bowels of the prison. How in the world could he be at the front door? That's absurd. That's impossible. And, and so literally they said, you're out of your mind. The literal translation is that you're insane. That's the literal translation. You're insane. That was their response to that. They were super surprised their prayers had 
been answered. His rescue would have been completely impossible. His rescue was more than just difficult. He was, again, double-chained in the bowels of the prison. And so the rescue was so difficult, it was impossible. It was hopeless. It was hopeless. And because it was hopeless, they used that as proof of her derangement, her insanity. So why are they praying? Why? Doesn't that beg the question? Why are they praying? Well, they're supposed to pray. Okay. But why really? Well, I'm supposed to do this. So they're doing it out of duty? They're doing it because they're expected to? They're doing it because it's the thing to do? I mean, all those could be correct answers. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you don't feel like going to prayer, but you show up anyway, right? So you're there. You're physically present and praying. <laughs> and so that's what they were doing. They were physically present. They were praying. But they saw the situation as hopeless, and so they wouldn't believe an eyewitness who said that their prayers had been answered. It was the very very thing that they were praying for, the very thing that they were seeking God for, the very thing that they were boldly approaching the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help them in their time of need. This was the very thing that they were taking the time and they were praying for. They were giving of their time. They were giving of their efforts. And there they were praying for. This was the very thing they were praying for. And when it happened, they wouldn't believe it. In fact, the messenger the messenger was insane, according to them. You see how extreme that is? Kind of how weird that is? This passage has always bothered me, not because I can't quite understand it, because I, I can, sort of, because it's, it's one of those things, it's like when you're praying, if you're not really praying in faith, then when God does something miraculous, you just might miss it. I mean, that's just the way it is. That... As we pray for things, and it's kind of rote, and it's kind of, uh, well, we're just doing it because you're supposed to do it, or you're just doing it because that's what's expected of you, or you're just doing it because that's the thing to do, you may just miss if and when God answers that prayer. Because it's all right to keep praying, and it's all right to keep going until God answers. But when he does answer, that's the time to celebrate. That's the time to stop praying for that thing, it's done, and begin to celebrate what God has done. That's the time. That's the moment. And so many times, people have a hard time letting go of that function of prayer, which is a function that we participate in, in order to accept the fact God answers, in order to accept the fact God does it, and to actually celebrate that he's done it. And to me, that's an important turnaround step. We need to be able to do that. We need to be able to recognize when something has been done. We need to be able to recognize when prayers have been answered. We need to be able to recognize when, when things have come to pass that we've been praying for and celebrate that. I don't care who announces it. I don't know who Rhoda is. She's this woman. That's the woman that, that talked to Peter. I don't know if she had a problem with lying. Probably not. 
She's probably someone. I mean, you think about when the women came back after Jesus' resurrection and they're telling the, the apostles, disciples, like, yeah, uh, Jesus wasn't in the tomb. He rose from the dead. We saw a man there and he told us he rose from the dead. Well, the Bible tells us that their response to that was like, well, they were just telling stories. That was, that's how they saw that response. Oh, they're just telling stories. But the Bible says Peter had enough, I don't know what, curiosity, I guess, to at least run out there and see. And he ran out there and he saw. And even though he had been told what the answer was, he still didn't know what to make of it. If you read that passage. And so we have that example that, that occurred after the resurrection of Jesus before this happened. We have that example where you've got believers that are gathered and the miraculous takes place. The greatest event in human history before and after ever had taken place. Jesus had been raised from the dead and they wouldn't believe it. They just wouldn't believe it. So now you got Peter... And, and I'm interested, I'd be interested to know, let's say it had been John instead of Peter they'd been put in prison, and it was John outside knocking. Would Peter make the same mistake again that he did at the resurrection? I wonder. I don't know. See, he's on the other side of the door, so we don't know what his reaction would be. But I wonder if he would make, because they all made the same mistake again. The other apostles did. And so there's Peter standing outside in the dark, all free and delivered and everything, just like they prayed. And they don't even believe the woman telling him he's standing out there. They leave him standing outside in the dark. Because there was something about it. There was something that was going on that didn't allow them to believe it. And you could say, well, maybe it was just they just had a little bit of faith. Maybe. But they had enough for God to answer. Right? He answered the prayer. But I don't know why they didn't believe it when it got answered. Well, why don't we? There's things in our lives that we've been praying for and God brings them to pass. And we either just keep praying the same things or sometimes we just ignore it. But that's really a time for acknowledgement and celebration when God answers prayer. That's why it's important that we take time when, um, <clears throat> when people share during share time that answered prayer to take a moment and just celebrate that, recognize it for what it is, that this is God answering prayer. That when we, as a body, that we're praying on Friday nights and God answers a prayer, it's important for us to recognize that, to report on that, and, and to really take that and celebrate that. It's important to do that. It's an important part of, of this whole process of building faith. It's an important part of seeing the miraculous in our midst is to, to be able to sit and to recognize when God does something and to actually celebrate it and not just keep going through the motions. To actually stop and just take a moment. It's good. It's a good thing. It's the right thing. 
It's the right thing to stop and to take a moment. So not only did they not believe it, they announced that the messenger was insane. That's taking it like a step further. It's like, yeah, I don't believe you. You're insane. That's a whole nother step. Now, to her credit, and, and I want to I wanna say this, to her credit, Rhoda, the Bible says, insisted. And that word means that she kept steadfastly and firmly, constantly affirming that what she said was true. And I want to give her some credit for that. Because you got a room full of people calling you crazy. You got a room full of people telling you you don't know what you're talking about. You got a room full of people telling you that's impossible. You got a whole room full of people telling you that can't be the case. And she stood by what she saw and heard. And I want to give her credit for that. Because in the midst of a bunch of people that just think you're crazy, to continue standing firm, to continue insisting, to continue staying firm in what you have seen steadfast and what you have heard, that that's powerful. And that's powerful for anybody. That's why our message, when you think about what's our message, well, our, our message, what do we care about? What matters to us? Well, there's an importance to staying steadfast in whatever that is. That we stay steadfast in our call. We stay steadfast in what we know. We stay steadfast in what we've heard. We stay steadfast in what Jesus has revealed. The message that he gives us. We need to stay steadfast in that. Because if there's, there's something to, to hold on to, if there's something that we need to, to really be steadfast about, it's the truth. And it's the revealed truth, and it's the truth that we have. And here you have this woman, Rhoda, who had encountered Peter on the other side of the door, had the opportunity to talk to him, knew that it was him, knew that he had been released, knew that their prayers had been answered, even though no one else believed her. She stood by it. You know how she could have solved this? Let him in. Yeah, could have solved it right there. She could have solved this whole issue just by opening the door and letting him in. So she could have solved it, but she didn't. And so you have Peter standing out in the dark. He had been, and, and miraculously too, those, the angel that had come for him, I mean, he was walking, chains were falling off of him. He was walking past guards. Doors were swinging open for him. He was able to walk right out the front door of that place. That was a miraculous escape. But it wasn't like he was sneaking out. He was under angelic guard, and he walked out of there. And it's interesting to me that God made it so that he could walk out of that prison, that the chains would just fall off of him, that angel would guide him right through, doors would open in front of him, doors would open going out of the prison. He was able to walk through the, the, the streets of the city where he was, walk through the streets of Jerusalem under guard of that angel, but he gets to the door of the house of the church. And that door didn't swing open in front of him. Somebody was going to have to let him in. 
You see, they're people of faith. They're the people that have been praying for him. They're the people that have been interceding for him. They're the people that have probably been fasting for him. They're the people that have been praying for him. And God had answered that prayer. Now put yourself in Peter's uh, perspective here. Now all these doors had opened up, jail cells had opened up, chains had fallen off, and here you are knocking on the door of a place filled with a bunch of people that know you, and they won't let you in. Right? Do you, do you understand Like how weird that is? I mean, if you're in his perspective, you're walking free, everything's working, everything's good, and you get to the door, you expect what? To be let in and everybody to cheer, right? It's going to be a party. Instead, you get to the door, you get old Rhoda up there, she don't know what to do, she runs inside, you're still standing outside, they're having a debate inside about it. Why are you going to debate something like that? Hey, Peter's standing outside, you're out of your mind. Oh no, he's really standing outside. Well, let's discuss this for a moment. Meanwhile, Peter's standing outside. I don't know, I'd be a little irritated. That's, that's truth. I'd be a little irritated standing outside. That's just me. But after the miraculous escape that he had, there was no miraculous entry <laughs> at the body of Christ. It just wasn't. And, and there's something really typical about this I want you to get a hold of. We're praying, like we've been praying in the prayer emphasis. We've been praying, I want to see the supernatural. I want to see the miraculous. I want to see God move. I want to see the move of the Spirit. I want to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. I want to see all these supernatural things taking place. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it. Well, take a look at this passage and take a look at what stops the miraculous at the door. It wasn't God. It wasn't the Holy Spirit, and it wasn't Peter. It was the church. It was the church. They wouldn't even open the door to see the miraculous. Miraculous was just standing outside the door, knocking, trying to get in. And they're inside debating about stupid stuff. They're inside talking about dumb stuff. They're inside calling people by names. Instead of hearing what God is doing, instead of hearing the testimony about God we're having a miracle right outside the door, instead of believing about the miraculous being right there within their grasp, they decided they're going to argue about something that didn't matter at all. It's just stupid. But that's so typical. It's so typical. And so I want to pray, I want to pray that I see the supernatural. I want to pray that I see the miraculous. I want to pray that I live in that, and I live in that kind of circumstance in my life. Well, you know what? I need to open the door. I need to take a look at what God is doing right here and right now in my midst. Because if I can't see that, how am I going to see anything else? How? If I can't just open the door and see a miracle standing on my threshold, how in the world am I going to see anything else? 
Because that's God's provision right there. What's God providing for us? There's lots of things he's providing for us. Open our eyes, God. I want to see it. I want to see the miraculous. I want to see the supernatural. Right. Well, it's right here. Let's recognize what's going on in our midst. Let's recognize what's happening all around us. Let's recognize when God answers. Let's recognize when God shows up. Let's recognize when God does something supernatural in our midst. Let's recognize when there's deliverance. Let's recognize when people are set free in our midst. Let's recognize it because it's through that recognition, I believe, that our eyes are opened up to more and to more and to more and to more. I just believe that. But let's see. Let's actually see what God is doing. Let's not ignore the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's not ignore the manifestation of God in our midst. Let's not ignore his voice in our presence. Let's not ignore when the angelic happens and visitations come. Let's not ignore what God is doing. Because I think as we learn to not ignore him, as we learn to stay alert and aware, even in the midst of doing whatever it is that we're doing, that we really begin to see some of the stuff that we've been praying for. Because like I said, I mean, they're praying for Peter. That's what they're supposed to be doing. They're doing a good work. They're doing a good thing. So good that they're missing what God's actually doing around them. Because it ain't that good. It ain't good enough to miss what God's doing. You know, that good deed that you're doing and that good work of prayer that you're doing, that's not good enough for you to miss what God is doing right in front of you. In fact, it's you're self-defeating. And you're defeating the purpose of why you gathered to pray in the first place. That's exactly what they were doing. They were defeating the purpose of why they had gathered. The reason they gathered was to pray for Peter to be released. He was released standing outside the door, and they wouldn't stop praying for him to be released long enough to go see. They're doing the great thing. They're missing God. They're doing the good thing. They're missing the supernatural. They're missing the answer. And so Peter remained knocking while they were debating. And we as a church need to leave behind stupid arguments. We need open eyes, open ears, open arms to God's answers to our prayers. That's what we need. That's what matters. That's what's going to matter. I'd rather... I'd rather fail in the one part and succeed in the other. Guess which way? I'd rather have failed at the nice organized prayer meeting in order to see the answer to the prayer. Like, maybe it's not the best prayer meeting, but the answer to the prayer is standing outside the door. Let's not miss that, okay? Maybe the prayers aren't very fancy, but answers the prayer standing outside the door let's go let him in let's celebrate i'd rather have prayers that are kind of ugly and 
not very good and and not miss what God's doing and answering than the other way around. We get good at at doing the the stuff and we miss what we're actually doing the stuff for. The stuff is not more important than the answer. You got to get that through your head. The form is not as important as God answering and moving. Never. It's never. Never that important. God moving is more important. God answering is more important. God's provision is more important. And so the going about stuff, oh, did the meeting start at 7.30? I don't know, but Jesus showed up. Okay, cool. Cool. Did so-and-so forget the words to the second song? Yeah, but Jesus showed up. I'll take that. I'll take Jesus showing up. I forget the words to songs all the time. <laughs> but I don't want to miss Jesus. And so the form can't be more important than the substance. Ever. And, and if you understand what I mean by that, it might require some of us to change our minds about it. The form can't be more important than the substance. The substance is always more important. And if the form gets in the way of the substance, you need to change the form. And that's just a practicality. That is just a practicality. A reality. That no church should keep a form that gets in the way of the substance. None. No church should be so married to any form that's a part of their service if it's standing in the way of seeing Jesus, of experiencing him, of knowing his presence, of spending time with him, of seeing the answer to prayer. Because if it stands in the way of that, gets in the way of that, distracts from that, we need another form. Got to find it. Got to do it. Got to change it. Because there ain't nothing that's more important to us as a body of believers than the presence of Jesus in our midst and recognizing that and living in that and finding power and peace and rest and love and grace and all the stuff that the presence of Jesus brings. That's a lot more important than whatever form seems to be the thing right now. So we got to stop that. We just got to stop it. We got to stop it. And so they decided because they resolved not to believe her. Can you follow that? They decided, number one, not to believe her. So they're not going to believe her. She's telling them the truth. She's insisting. They're saying she's insane. She keeps insisting. So because she kept insisting, they decided not to believe her, but to concede by saying it must be his angel. Because him standing outside the door knocking is just too good to be true. 
Really? What's too good for God? What? What's too good for him? Nothing. Nothing. He's all good. So nothing's too good. He's all good. So you think, well, it's too good to be true. No, he's all good. It's never too good. And so they decide, okay, well, it's his angel. Now, what does that mean? Well, you, you have to understand their system of belief, but back then it expressed a common belief of the time that every true believer had a guardian angel. Now, this goes back to uh, people that are part of the Jewish religion. They believed that every true Hebrew had a guardian angel that was specially assigned to him who, when he appeared in human form, assumed the likeness of the man whom he protected. That's what they believed. So they decided that maybe Rhoda wasn't completely insane. <laughs> Mostly, but, but they wouldn't concede that Peter was actually outside knocking on the door, even though that's the exact thing that they were praying for, and they explained it away with some superstition that said, well, it must be, must be, is the language used, his angel. So it was easier to believe a superstition <laughs> that they had than that God actually answered their prayer. It was easier to believe that. And I could sit here and give you examples of Christians who believe the same. Again. I can. I mean, I can sit here and give you examples of Christians that have a Saint so and so medal hanging from the mirror of their car. And they would be more likely to attribute them not getting in an accident this year to that medal hanging from the mirror of their car than God simply answering their prayer to keep them safe. And so they would attribute their safety to a superstition before they would attribute their safety to the answer to prayer. Now, you know what I'm talking about? I don't know what metal that is, but one of the saints. It could be Christopher. Well, it could be Christopher, but there's another one too that they believe. I don't remember. There's another one that, that they believe, depending on what flavor of Catholic. Yeah, yeah, they'll sit right there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or and, and, and there's other superstitions within the church that people will be more likely to believe than that God just simply answered their prayer. Yeah. And that's exactly what was going on here. What was going on here is that they got this idea, it must be this. They decided, they debated, they decided it must be this. They picked this superstition that's not backed by, by scripture. It was just a common belief, and they said, oh, it's got to be that. It's got to be that. So they'd rather make something up 
than believe the truth. And I mean, these are spiritual people, right? They're spiritual people. These aren't these aren't like just people like nobodies. These are spiritual people. These are people that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. These are people that saw Jesus before his ascension. These are people that heard Jesus before his ascension. These are people that are eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These are people, many of them had been taught by Jesus. Many of them had traveled with Jesus during his earthly ministry. Many of these people, I mean, these are not lightweights when it comes to the faith. They're just not. And yet, even though they are who they are, even though they're not lightweights, even though they're not people that had no idea what was going on, they didn't know what was going on, they still reverted back to the superstition. Because it was easier to believe the superstition than it was that God actually, truly answered their prayer. And I know this is going to sound crazy, but, and I know that they were they were heavyweight Christians, all right? They were, they were right first century, they are heavyweight Christians. We can't be like that. And, and, and as hard as it is for, for us to understand this, we just can't live like that. We can't do it. And so whatever it's going to take for us not to live like that, whatever it's going to take for us not to, to go around with that kind of an attitude, whatever it's going to take for us just to believe God simply at his word, to believe that he answers prayer, to believe that he hears our prayer, answers our prayer, and to thank him for it, recognize it when it happens, see the supernatural when it happens, engage the supernatural when it happens, we're just going to have to put our mind to that and be aware it's a, it's a waking up in our lives. And you think about all the great uh, revivals that, that people have gone through. Well, those great revivals had to do with waking up, many of them. The biggest of them had to do with the church just waking up one day and beginning to see God, beginning to see what God was doing, beginning to see what was going on in their midst, beginning to see what was going on around them. Because there's something powerful about that. But we have to wake up to see that. And whatever slumber that they'd already found themselves in, I have no idea what was going on here. No idea, except for it's a common occurrence. So that doesn't explain it. It just says it happens. So we got a common occurrence of this happening. That doesn't excuse it. It doesn't make it okay. It just means that we're prone to it. It just means that this is something that we're, we're, we have a tendency toward. And that would tell me we have to fight that. That would tell me we have to, to engage against that tendency in order to see what God's actually doing right here and right now. I mean, to really see it, really experience it, really celebrate what God is doing right here and right now, let's not miss it. Let's not miss it. Let's not miss the voice of God in our midst. Let's not miss the manifestation of God in our midst. Let's not miss the presence of God when he shows up. Let's not miss when God empowers or when God encourages or when God corrects. Let's not miss the move of his Holy Spirit in our midst. Let's not. Let's not just gloss over 
when when God shows up. And this is the one of the hardest things to teach people. Like uh, like for example, like to teach a worship leader. This is one of the hardest things to do, and they're in the one position to actually lead people into the presence of God when they sense that. The worship leader is kind of in that moment and in that position. And a good worship leader, when they sense that, they'll just lead people right into that. But in order to do that, there has to be a setting aside of what's the next song. There has to be a setting aside of how does this song end? Who cares? Has to be a setting aside of, well, I hope everybody else is following along. They'll get it. There has to be a setting aside of all of the rote things and all of the good things that are a part of leading worship. And they're all good, just like prayer is good, like what they were doing was all good. And it is good, but not to the point that we're missing something that God is doing. And like I said, that's the hardest thing to teach people. It's like, when do you break out of that? Every time. (laughs) But it's okay? Yes. It's more than okay. It's what we have to do. Because going through the motions and, and having just like a really good whatever it is we're having can never, ever take the place of what God wants to do when he shows up. We can't replicate that. We can't reproduce that. Only God does that. We just can't miss it. And I'd rather err on the side of going for it and and maybe it just fizzles, but at least giving it a shot than just rotely going through the motions and getting to the end. Phew, I'm glad that's over. Yeah. Yeah, we just missed something here. Let's not miss this. Let's not miss that moment. Let's not miss that opportunity. Let's not miss that moment of miraculous. Let's not miss this moment where God is healing people. Let's not miss this moment where God is speaking to people. Let's not miss this moment where God is drawing people that are on the fringes into his presence. Let's not miss this moment where God is opening people's eyes to see things of the Spirit or opening their ears to hear the things of the Spirit. Let's not miss that moment because we can't replicate that. A good song ain't going to replicate that. And And I'm not... I'm not trying to advocate for bad musicianship. I'm just saying that it's those moments that matter. You know, to train a worship leader in that, it's a hard thing. Train an MC in that, it's a hard thing. Because I've got it all written down. What's next? Maybe Jesus is next. Let it be. Let it be. Maybe... This is that moment where he shows up and we need to sit and listen for a little while. Maybe this is a moment where he shows up and we need to have people begin to pray for healing. Maybe this is that moment when he shows up and we need to have people lay hands on one another and allow the Holy Spirit to flow through one another. Maybe this is that moment where he begins to fill people with the Holy Spirit. Maybe this is this moment where gifts are being poured out. Let's receive. Maybe that's the moment right here, right now. Maybe this is the moment. I don't know. But let's take that shot. 
Let's take that shot when the moment comes. We can always get back to whatever it is we're doing. We'll figure it out. I mean, I've been in services where we, we cut off the work of the Holy Spirit. I didn't, we is a kind of royal we. Uh, cut off the work of the Holy Spirit because we got to receive an offering. We'll get the offering. Just let it go. We'll figure that out later. Or whatever. Relax. Relax. Well, we, we got food being delivered. Yeah, it's okay. It'll, it'll be all right. Now, I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm not, because I'm in the middle of all that. Okay, I understand. I, I'm in the middle of the logistics too. But let's not be so in the middle of the logistics that we're sitting here with Peter standing outside the door, the answer to prayer, knocking on the door, and we're arguing about some dumb stuff. Because then we miss it. We miss it. All right, I'm going to take a few moments. I'm going to get you to pray here. And all I want you to do is, is take a few moments and, and really put yourself in a position to realign some things in your heart, your mind. Because it's one thing for me to say, uh, we as a church. Well, it's not really we as a church. We're not realigning anything. You're going to realign something. I'm going to realign something. I'm going to emphasize something. I'm going to make a commitment to something tonight. Uh, the, the we part of it is me, you, and the rest of us doing it. And then when we gather to get something done, that's the we part. But we've got to make those decisions individually to not miss it. We've got to make those decisions individually to, to be observant. To be aware of what's happening around us. We, I, have to make that decision that I'm going to be aware, that I'm going to be sensitive, I'm going to be open to what God is saying and what God is doing, and I'm going to pursue that. I'm going to go to the door, and I'm going to answer it. And I'm going to let that miracle in. I'm going to go to the door. I'm going to answer. I'm going to let that healing in. I'm going to go to the door. I'm going to answer. I'm going to let that answer to prayer in. I'm sitting here praying for it. Here it is at the door. I'm going to go to the door. I'm going to let that in. Period. Because why else am I sitting here praying for it if it's standing right there and I don't let it in? How does that make any sense whatsoever? It doesn't. I'm going to go get that thing that I've been praying for and I'm going to let that thing in. I'm going to celebrate because God answers prayer. But you got to realign that. I got to realign that. And so let's allow for that. So let's pray. Father, I just uh, thank you that uh, you're God of the miraculous and you're God who is ever present. You're a God who shows up when we gather in the name of Jesus. You're right here in our midst. I thank you for that. And God, I just want to say, I want to recognize that. Not just talk about it, not just say it, not just quote a Bible verse about it. I really want to recognize your presence. I mean, I'm praying to see you more. I'm praying to hear you more. <coughs> I'm praying to experience you more. I want to recognize your presence. So whatever needs to be realigned in me, I pray you'd do it. Whatever the values I have or 
whatever my priorities are, about how things should happen, what should happen, I pray that it just gets realigned into some kind of way that actually matters and it allows for and that encourages and, and that recognizes and celebrates when you show up. I mean, when you manifest, when, when, when we actually see you in whatever form you choose to show yourself in, it could be the word of prophecy, it could be a word of knowledge, it, it could be a word of wisdom, it could be anything, it could be miraculous, it could be light, and it could be whatever. I just want to recognize that and celebrate your presence whenever I can. Not take you for granted. Not take you you showing up for granted. But to really recognize that. Yeah. So take a moment. You take a moment. And realign a few things. Maybe you're really a task-oriented person. Alright? Well, put Jesus at the top. Recognize the presence of Jesus, number one. And whatever other task going to have to come way after that. But however you align yourself, however you order yourself, reorder that so that the presence of Jesus, awareness of that, awareness of his voice, awareness of, of him showing up is way, 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 way at the top. Just let that happen. Just let that happen. Whatever needs to change, let it change. Just let it change. We've got nothing better to do, nothing better to do than recognize Jesus when he's here. We got no plan that it comes even close to celebrating Jesus when he's here. None. Nothing. There ain't no song that good. Not one. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, take care of your business right now. Take care of that business in you right now. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we... Recognize that you are preeminent in all things. And we ask you, be preeminent in all things that we do, that we're involved in, every gathering, every meeting, everything that we do, be preeminent, God. Like we said, we just want to see you more. We want to recognize you more. 
want to proclaim you more, and he wants to celebrate you more. Doing us the work that needs to be done so that we can see you, hear you, recognize you, and celebrate you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Let's agree by saying amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. It's good to see you tonight. Thanks for coming. UCF of Syracuse is a relational gathering of diversity in action. Economics, education, employment, background, and culture span the spectrum as we gather for the purpose of life in Christ. No, me and Christ are homies. That's good. He's really cool, you mm-hmm. know? He's super close, yo. Your homeboy? Yeah. All right. Anyways, so musicians, writers, painters. You know, my cousin's a painter. Yeah? What do you paint? Houses. Oh, man. My cousin, your cousin should hook up. Yeah. So, yeah, painters and other artists express their work through the body of life of this faith community. Like the community that. Yeah, so there's a lot of people. Yeah. No. Started in 1997. That's a long time ago, yo. That's back in the day. That was before I had my eyebrows tattooed on there. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As an outgrowth of chaplaincy of Syracuse University, UCF continues to gather in the Westcott neighborhood of Syracuse. Oh, me and my homegirls, we walk up and down there all the time. I know, that's our hood. Mm-hmm. So it's in Syracuse, New York, to share the love and hope of Christ. Again, we, we homies. Yeah.